So I was raised in a medical family. My dad was a veterinarian and my mother was a nurse. They were scientists at heart and they had a thirst for learning. As a result, I grew up believing that rationality was the sole source of wisdom and that education was the pathway to get there. But in my 20s, I began to have mystical experiences that I couldn't explain rationally. At that time in my life, I certainly didn't consider myself psychic, and I still don't. But I began to realize that everyone has intuitive experiences. And so I set out to discover how to develop my own intuition. As strange as it may sound, I began by reading tarot cards during my most rational period when I was studying to become a PhD about 40 years ago. I approached the cards from a fairly logical point of view, regarding them as a sort of psychological Rorschach test for questions that stumped me. In retrospect, this was my first step towards comprehending insight triggers, those experiences that can precipitate understanding, and how also we co-create our interpretations of oracles in our lives by coming up with associations that make sense to us. Spending time with other practitioners of divination, I was introduced to more open-ended and therefore more advanced oracular techniques that depended on accessing the wellspring of my intuition through a state of inward focus. I also began to realize that people use different senses to access their inner wisdom, the most predominant among them the visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic. And if you have my book, you know that's the major um, distinctions that I make. The divinations are categorized by whether they're visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. And eventually, I started to create my own oracular techniques based on my own experience of divination. And the ultimate result is the world is your oracle which I'm speaking about today. A compilation of 40 multicultural divinatory techniques for tapping your inner wisdom. In North America, many people associate divination with either ancient religions or the occult. And traditionally, this concept of divination has been mostly conjured up an image of an old woman with her playing cards, trying to foretell people's futures, their fortunes. And we don't have to search very far to discover the reason for our dominant notions about divination. The first definition in most English dictionaries states that it's a practice of attempting to foretell future events or discover, discover hidden knowledge using occult or supernatural means. From my perspective, this is an archaic distinction and an archaic definition because it's based on, it's one that was created during a time when we drew sharper distinctions between the everyday and the mysterious, the natural and the supernatural. Instead, I define divination as the active use of our intuition employing a variety of methods for getting in touch with your inner, inner knowing. Now, seers and sages have done exactly that for centuries, 
perhaps even millennia. They've known that in order to answer questions that baffled them, they had to let go of their narrow, habitual responses to the situations and people around them, as well as to the questions that they faced. To do this, they often performed divinations. And in the mental state created by a divination, new ideas popped into their awareness. These adepts were the first to perfect what we now call thinking outside the box. With breakthroughs in modern technology, we now know why. Research has begun to shed light on how divination acts to facilitate aha moments, those creative insights that seem to come out of the blue to spontaneously come to us. Brain imaging studies using electroencephalograms, EEGs, and functional magnetic resonance imagery, that's fMRIs, have shown that these flashes of insight occur when a person's brain is in a particular state. And this is exactly the state of mind that divination facilitates. So in order to understand these eureka moments, we need to step back for a moment and notice how our mind normally works. Neuroscientists have discovered that every idea stored in the brain has associations with other thoughts, so that each thought calls to mind the next and the next until you have a stream of consciousness. Some of these associations are remote and therefore unlikely to come to mind. We call these associations unconscious. In contrast, many associations are almost automatic, and we call them conscious thought. When we're in our normal mindset, using our conscious analytical mind, our thoughts remained wedded to our most obvious associations, associations from our experience, from our reading, and our assumptions about how the world works. Most of the time, this mental box that's created by these seemingly self-evident associations allows us to anticipate and understand our lives rapidly. It's sort of like a triage system for prioritizing what the likelihood of meaning is in any particular situation. But these habitual associations also limit our thinking, sometimes causing tunnel vision. This can be detrimental when we're presented with new challenges in our lives. When we become stuck in our thinking, that's when we need an aha moment or a divination to free our thoughts. Then our minds can associate with the more remote ideas that are found in the unconscious, allowing new understandings to surface into our conscious awareness. So how does this work? The most recent research demonstrates that aha moments happen when two conditions are met. First, there has to be a burst of alpha wave activity called the brain blink. This sudden increase of alpha waves in the occipital lobe of the brain, which is the vision processing lobe of the brain at the back of your brain, diverts awareness from a person's surroundings and re reduces mental distractions. And what happens then is what scientists call optimal inattention. Optimal inattention allows the brain to ignore the noise that's always present in your mind so that you can become aware of less obvious unconscious thoughts. 
thanks to this neural diversion, novel ideas can bubble up into your awareness. This experience is essentially similar to the, the situation when somebody asks you a difficult question. Very often you might look away or close your eyes, and glancing to one side allows you to avoid extraneous factors like the face of the person who is interrogating you. The brain does exactly the same thing. When you're asked something challenging, an answer might already be activated at an unconscious level, but there's so much noise and distraction that you can't retrieve it unless you have a brain blink to get rid of those distractions. So if we survey divination techniques from around the world, we find that they operate in a similar manner. The state in which divination takes place, sometimes meditative, sometimes euphoric, and sometimes characterized by brainwave entrainment, which I'll talk about later when I talk about drumming, is in each case distinguished by alpha waves in the occipital lobe of the brain, exactly where the brain blink happens. In addition, the very techniques of inward focus that are fostered by divination are designed to suppress or ignore unnecessary sensations or information. In other words, they create optimal inattention. The wisdom keepers of the world realized this long ago. They knew that in order to tap into their inner knowing, they had to take a walk in the woods, or meditate, or drum, or dance ecstatically. All techniques that actually I have included in the world is your oracle. In other words, scientists have discovered that the ancient and indigenous seers have always known this truth the glare of the external world can block insight. So the second mental condition that characterizes an aha moment or a successful divination occurs when a spark of insight flashes from the unconscious into the conscious mind. On EEG and fMRI scans, this burst of activity happens in the right temporal lobe of the brain directly above the right ear, right here. The brain's right hemisphere, where these flashes of insight occur, has been shown to be the major origin for creative thoughts. And the reason for this is that it has much larger number of associations with any concept or problem. So with the help of the alpha waves and the optimal inattention that the brain blink creates, the brain sets aside the left hemisphere's habitual and boxed-in thinking so they can tune into the alternate, altern, alternate interpretations from the right hemisphere of the mind and therefore think outside the box. While science is just beginning to chart these flashes of insight in the brain, people all over the world have been using divination for a very long time. So look, let's look at some of the wide variety of techniques that ancient and indigenous folks have used for oracular insight and that I've included in The World is Your Oracle to see how they work. So the first one is shamanic journeying. This is an indigenous technique until recently. Indigenous traditions the world over perform shamanic journeys as a means of divination. And 30 years ago, 
anthropologist Michael Harner re-examined these divinatory practices and discovered many similarities among the various traditions. Rapid drumming, ritual dance, as well as communication with the person's power animal or spirit guide. He distilled these methods into an oracular technique that's now called core shamanism, and it's a practice that now has thousands of proponents all over North America. Taking a shamanic journey is an imaginative process, like daydreaming. You close your eyes, you become relaxed, and you drift off into another world. The steady heartbeat rhythm of shamanic drumming helps you to float into this altered state of mind. And in this mindset, you imagine a world that's now known among core shamanism practitioners as the lower world. There's also the upper world, but in my book, I only incorporated the shamanic journey to the lower world. Here you meet a creature of some sort who becomes your spirit helper. Often called your power animal, this being will escort you on an adventure to help you find insight into your oracular question. From a scientific point of view, this technique works because, first of all, it separates you from your everyday perspective, from your normal analytical mindset. Visiting another realm in your imagination, especially one that transports you so far from your everyday life, can dissipate thoughts that have become fixated in your mind. These are those automatic thoughts once again. And this is what science calls fixation forgetting. So thinking is almost always associated with the context in which you have these thoughts. So for instance, you're upstairs and you go, oh, gotta go find that iPhone downstairs. And you walk down the stairs, and by the time you get to the living room, you've forgotten what it was you were going for. But when you go back upstairs, you remember, oh, it was my cell. So in the same way, changing your context by getting away from your normal haunts can help you overcome your obvious first thoughts in order to tap into the more obscure answers to your questions question. And once you've left that habitual judgment and assessment behind, you can think more, uh, more outside of the box. So that's the first way that uh, shamanic journeying works from a scientific perspective. When you call on a spirit helper to guide your divination, you also enlarge your thinking from the small personal point of view that you usually carry around with you to include a larger perspective of the numinous as well. So seeing this bigger picture, in this case perhaps the biggest picture, in another, is another scientifically proven practice that induces flashes of insight. It's one of the best ways to notice interconnecting pieces that make up your puzzle, even those that seem unimportant. So that's the second um, way, the bigger picture leading to larger thinking, broadening your thinking. And similarly to dreaming, the shamanic journey also involves a semi-conscious state of inward reflection in which novel ideas can be incubated from an oracular question. Science now shows us that this type of unconscious incubation is what generates insights since hidden relationships 
brought from the unconscious into the forefront of the mind are the material from which these sudden realizations are drawn. Incubation involves taking time away from your problem, and the further away you get, the better. The easiest way to incubate a question or an oracle is by sleeping on your question and coming up with a dream that answers it, which is also a technique in the world as your oracle. But you can also take a short break from consciously considering a problem that has you stumped by taking a walk in the woods, for instance, or in this case, by journeying to the lower world. So some divinations um, and their methodology have just one means of gaining insight. During this shamanic journeying, there are three scientifically proven means of eliciting your deeper knowing. Changing your context, which leads to fixation forgetting, broadening your attention, and therefore broadening your thinking, and incubation. So let's look at a second divination practice and see how it functions from a scientific viewpoint. Candle oracles have existed since antiquity. Depending on the how the candle was used, the ancients called these divinations capnomancy, which is watching for signs and in the patterns made by the candle smoke, ceromancy, which is dripping melted wax into cold water and then interpreting the images that are created in this way, and lichnoscopy, which is noticing the appearance, color, and movements of a candle's flame. So candle magic historically has been found in Jewish and Christian contexts, especially in the Middle Ages. You find it all over Asia, for instance, today in Tibet. And in the United States, you can find it in African-American hoodoo practices. In the world is your oracle, I decided to incorporate a candle divination that I created. It's called Light Illumines Your Inner Well. And in order to discover deeper insight with this technique, you relax in a warm bath and let the candlelight that's reflecting off the water mesmerize you into a state of mind with greater openness to your inner knowing. It's probably the most sensual um, divination in my book. It's really yummy. Light illumines your well uses sensory restriction actually in three different ways to allow the person who's undertaking the oracle to look inward. The running water produces a type of white noise that blocks other sounds from being heard. The warmth of the water makes it difficult for you to feel the boundaries of your body, and the dim lighting limits your vision. The most recent research demonstrates that all three of these ways of restricting the senses can induce a very powerful pull towards deep receptivity. Once again, the inner focus that's needed for a good oracle or an aha moment. In each case, the sensory restriction cuts you off from your environment and draws your focus inward. So the last technique I'd like to look at is drumming. I promised you this earlier. It's also included in The World is Your Oracle, and people everywhere, all over the world, have literally tapped into their inner wisdom using these rhythm instruments in Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, and both North and South America. 
In fact, the first discovery of drumming's oracular properties probably occurred within shamanic circles in the Paleolithic era. Shamans from Asia and the Americas use drums, and they continue to use them today, to transcend ordinary consciousness in order to travel to the spirit world for divinatory guidance. Tom Keepers, a Cochiti drum maker, says, and I quote, to consult the drum, present your question to the drum, and then play in a steady beat until it provides an answer. It's that simple and that profound. This rhythmic technique uses what some people call brainwave entrainment in order to create a semi-conscious state of inward focus. Entrainment can be defined as synchronizing the body's rhythms with some sort of outside rhythm. And consistent rhythmic stimuli like those of a fast-beating drum can synchronize the brain's waves to those same rhythms, inducing a deeply relaxing state of altered consciousness. A recent study by Barry Quinn, PhD, demonstrates that even a brief drumming session can double alpha wave brain activity, and as we've seen, such alpha wave activity can lead to an aha moment or an oracular insight. So you know, often when you reach out to an oracular technique for answers, you're feeling frustrated or upset about the issue that faces you. Usually you're stuck in some way. Divination allows your mood to lighten and helps you to become more peaceful since it eliminates extraneous thoughts or feelings concerning your query. This is perhaps the most important thing that I learned from recent scientific research. You need to have a positive mood in order to get beyond your fixed ideas, anxiety, keeps you analytical, so you have to have a positive mood. So my suggestion is smile, because research in the past has already shown that smiling leads to a happier mood. And the recent EEG and fMRI studies demonstrate that positive emotions like joy, tranquility, or love facilitate aha moments. As I say in my divination workshops, it's important to warmly anticipate that insight will come to you. So let go of your anxieties and find that anticipatory glow to, in the outcome of your oracle. Or to quote Bobby McFerrin, in every life there is some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy.